Welcome to the Diamond Mind Podcast with Nate Lang. We're listening to all 92 Diamond albums certified by Billboard. Today's album is... 10 by Pearl Jam. But before anything else, here's our new segment. And welcome back to your music news. First off, the Nevermind Baby is still, still, trying to sue Nirvana. Spencer Eldon is sticking to his early claim that the band, Kurt Cobain's estate, photographer Kurt Weddle, and Nirvana's record labels intentionally commercially marketed the child pornography. You know what I gotta say about that? Whatever. Okay. This time, however, Eldon's new amendment removes original language which accused the defendants of child sex trafficking. That's just a mess. Okay, whatever. Uh, Moving on, Brock Hampton will be completing shows at the O2 Academy, uh, and they will be at Coachella. After that, all of their tour dates are canceled, and um, they'll get they'll give refunds and everything for tickets and VIP packages. But after they finish their big four performances that they have going on, they are taking an indefinite hiatus immediately. Whoa! Yeah, that's what they said. That's it, crazy. Sound, it sounds really like aggressive and kind of like it's a big deal, but uh-huh. no one's that I've seen has really said anything about it, other than that. So I guess I'll keep you all updated if I find anything else out. Um, Moving on to the next part. Kanye West is being investigated for allegedly punching a fan. Uh, He told a small group of fans no pictures and apparently it turned violent. Insert clip of Kanye West with the paparazzi in the morning. Hmm. Okay, there we go. Dallas Frazier, country songwriter behind Elvira, Benista Waters, and more, dies. Oh, no. That sucks. Mm-hmm. He also apparently co-wrote four number one hits for Charlie Pride, who I'm also pretty sure had passed away in 2021. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Celine Dion has canceled several of her upcoming shows in March and April due to her ongoing medical condition with her throat, or I guess that's what it is. Um, and it was mentioned in Music News several episodes ago but basically Celine Dion was supposed to have a residency in Vegas but she couldn't move on to that because she's having something wrong with her obviously her throat vocal cords something like that which is I mean devastating obviously Mm -hmm. because that's what she does she's one of the greatest singers probably to ever live Um, but she's taking her treatments and things like that also the last thing, Kenny G dropped an album on December 3rd. How did Yo, we not know that? How did we not catch that, of all people? Fake fans over here at the Diamond Mine. Um, but anyway, that's it for your music news. Hey guys, this is us from the uh, ending of the podcast. Um, and this is also going to go at the end of the podcast, so if you've already seen this part, actually you have if you are at the ending, you've seen this in the beginning and the ending, which is kind of weird. Um, the social medias, the Twitter... TDM Pod, TDM POD, the Instagram, the Diamond Mind Podcast, the YouTube for our face and all sorts of stuff like that. The Diamond Mind, if you look up the Diamond Mind Podcast, we should be the first thing that pops up. Um, TikTok, Diamond Mind Podcast, follow us, rate us, do all the things like that because that would make you a very cool person and it would spread us around and I would really appreciate it. And we're back. So, Lainey, give us the specs on 10 by Pearl Jam. It went 13 times platinum. It was released August 27th, 1991. That was my birthday. 
Before he was born, but yes. No, I was born in 1991. Uh, on that day. Uh-huh. With Pearl Jam. Yep. yep, I am Pearl Jam. Right, right, right. It has 11 songs, and it is 53 minutes long. So, this first song is called Once. Uh, starts off all mysteriously. Uh, it's kind of like somebody... I literally have a keyboard in there that has some of these sound effects on it. It's like somebody switched the like sound effects mm-hmm. uh, on the keyboard and just started like pressing stuff low-key. Um, I don't mean that as like an insult, but it really just kind of does. Uh... It it's some hard rock for show though. It really hits hella guitar solo, very nice, just total headbanger with the ripping guitar and slamming vocals, and uh, it's a it's a nice. I don't want to say awakening, but it kind of shows you what's gonna go on throughout this album. Okay, my notes. Oh, I typed that wrong, but I know what I meant to say. Um, a very eerie start with this song. I don't know. Eerie. I don't know how you spell eerie. Yeah, it's okay. just E-E-R-Y, right? No, it's that. You okay. spelled it like Lake Erie. That's why it's capitalized. No, but I meant E-E-R-Y, and then I autocorrected it to every. Yeah, it's eerie. I hate autocorrect. Anyway, so very eerie. I don't know what this typed out, analyzed. Okay, very eerie start with echoes of the iconic Vetter voice. Let me just move past this. Genius Lyrics, where I get all my information. This song is the middle chapter of a trilogy of songs in what Vetter later described as a mini-opera entitled Mamasan, with it being preceded by Alive and followed by Footsteps. Which wasn't on this album, right? No. I didn't think so. Okay. Uh, Once tells the tale of a man's descent into madness, which leads him into becoming a serial killer. The song Live would be indescribable. This is me now. The song live would be indescribable. Honestly, I would pay so much money to experience a mosh pit to this, which we talked about. Specifically one from, like, the 90s. Not, like, a now while it's, like, there's, like, some older people in the crowd. Like, I mean, like, when they were at their peak, you know? Mm -hmm. That would be very interesting. Uh, Anyways, this next song is called Even Flow. Uh, Most people know Even Flow. This song bangs. Uh... The way he says the opening line when he's like, freezing, like, you automatically know Mm -hmm. that's better. Um, He's got that, oh my gosh, that was a hearty. Freezing. He's he's also kind of got that Eminem flow. Like, after the freezing, then he's like, (laughs) he's spitting. Um, The way this song just kind of hits you in the face even if it's your first time hearing it, with the, like, I know I've literally just said this, but how it's, like, drags out that first word, and then all of the lyrics come in, and then mm-hmm. um, just the chorus is so catchy. Even if it's your first time hearing it, you want a headbang, and that's just kind of how I describe Pearl Jam in general. Got that structure, got that flow. So, like Nanny's already kind of touched on, this is one of the most popular songs. Um... It is a narration of the life of a homeless person. It is a favorite for many, including Matt Cameron, who was Soundgarden's drummer at the time, by the way. Which, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, they were, I think they were friends, especially Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell. Mm-hmm. Which is actually really funny, because I recently saw a video of Eddie Vedder singing. I don't know what song it was, but like obviously the crowd was singing back, because it's a concert. Yeah. And then afterward, he just kind of laughed, and he was like, man, I can't wait to tell Chris about this. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving Aww. on. 
Uh, rest in peace, Chris Cornell. Oh, I'm not done. But rest in oh, peace. Oh, I thought Chris you said Cornell. moving on. No, moving on to the rest of my notes. Ah, uh, word. Right, got you. Fun fact. This is from Genius Lyrics, by the way. I don't say fun fact anymore, but I said it now. Fun fact. For their first album, Pearl Jam was very efficient in the studio, getting most songs done in just a few takes. However, even flow was an exception, requiring between 50 and 100 takes. Good God. Pearl Jam was a band with, um, I don't know what that word is and I don't care. Where? Itinerant. Yeah. Itinerant drummers and Dave Cruson, who was their stickman at the time, had a hard time with this track. He said that they had to edit the middle part because I was speeding up at the end. It was just a nightmare. The break in the middle has the perfect... This is me now, apparently. The break in the middle has the perfect amount of bass and overall catchy song that you can lightly headbang to. Next. T.O., I'll cut this out. Uh, you good? Yeah. I saw you, like, chugging water for a second. I was like, oh. No, I'm just trying to get that get them fluid, boy. All right, word. <laughs> Uh, next song is Alive. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this next song is called Alive. Um, the drummer is really going ham on the song. He's just driving it the whole entire time. All the drum fills are not overbearing, but they're still mad impressive if you tune into them, which I was at that point. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to give this drummer a little bit of attention, and I just listened to him on the song. He, he rips. Uh, from a song standpoint, though, like a full song standpoint, uh, the chorus is pretty catchy. The meaning kind of has me effed up, but the guitar solo go ham. All right, right, right. Okay, so Alive, another popular one. It was actually their first ever single and the first song they ever played together. It, obviously I get all my information from Genius Lyrics, and they had a lot for this album. Um, Just bear with me this episode. But... The song originated as an instrumental titled Dollar Short and was included on a demo tape circulated in hopes of finding a singer for the group. Vocalist Eddie Vedder obtained a copy of the tape and wrote lyrics that describe a fictionalized account, though somewhat based on his personal experience. And I'll explain that. Um, Of the time when he was told that the man he thought was his father was not actually his biological father. Now, that section and that section only is based off his life. I cannot emphasize that enough. Um, Alive tells the story of a young man discovering that his father is actually a stepfather, while his mother's grief leads to an incestuous relationship with the son who strongly re- resembles the biological father. Eddie Vedder did not bang his mom. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm just making it apparent for the people that didn't listen. That didn't you were catch like, my yes. dress. Yeah, okay. Didn't pick up what I was putting down. Um... But after knowing what it's about, the lyrics have such a darker meaning yes. once you actually read them and listen to the song as a whole. Uh, the jam at the end could have been an instrumental all on its own, mm-hmm. I think, especially with Stone's guitar skills. But has to be, that that meaning had me effed up though. Like we were listening to it, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I told you." Like when you told me that, then I actually started listening to it. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Anyways, this next song is called <laughs> "Why Go." Opening drum beat, slapping. Absolutely. Then we got some thumping bass coming in. Love that. Uh, the guitar solo rips. It almost makes this feel like it's more of like an 80s band that decided to go like underground and alternative rather well, than like a 90s band. I mean, 91 was the... Yes. The they, they feel like an 80s band to me that like went underground. Okay. Like it's like 
because a lot of 90s bands, they don't have guitar solos like that. But their guitar solos, they rip. And honestly, uh, the instrumental on... I wrote on this song, but in general, their instrumentation is just incredibly impressive. They're great musicians. Um, And I can really appreciate that when... uh, even though, like, everybody in the 90s... I, I don't want to say everybody, but a lot of people in the 90s weren't playing guitar solos like that, and you still are playing guitar solos like that. I can really appreciate that when you're taking that step to be an individual, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said more 80s. I said just in general more of, like, a metal or punk sound than the typical Pearl Jam sound uh-huh. that we're used to because of the drum pattern initially. And there is a Metallica song, and I tried to find it, could not find oh, it. Oh, she tried to find it for a long time. But there's a song, I think it's Metallica, but the bass starts out similar to how the drum starts in this song. Mm-hmm. If you find it, please let me know, because I'm dying over here. Um, Shout you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the song is about a girl who is put in a mental hospital against her will and without any mental illness. Why go refers to the lack of motivation to go back home after spending time unjustly in this place. And then there's a sequel song to the story called Leash, not on this album. But it basically just talks about the time after she left the institution and was put into a strict regimen. No dates, you know, early curfews. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. That's all I have. I like that. I like that. Um, That's interesting. A lot of people don't do that where they'll have sequels to their songs mm-hmm. that, like... Follow up on the story. I think that's really interesting. I didn't know about that. Um, this next song is called Black. This is not what I expected. It's it's a lot more soft than the previous four songs, which is a good little change of pace because right. uh, we've been getting our face ripped off for the past four songs. Not in a bad way. Had you heard this one before? No. Okay. Uh, the only song I'd heard on this album was Even Blow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... It's really like he's pouring his heart out on these last few lines. You can really feel the emotion in his voice. And um, I just really appreciated this change of pace. I I can, uh, if you've watched any of our other podcasts with albums that sound the same all the way through, I complain that there are a lot of different sounds and subjects you can sing about. And when somebody switches it up, even if it's just for one song like this, and then like you kind of go back to your your shtick, and then maybe you switch it up again later on the album. Mm -hmm. I can just really appreciate that. It just shows some uh, artistic maturity, I guess is the best way to put it. Depth, adversity. Yes. Diversity. Anyway. (laughs) Going kind of back to, like, the beginning of your note, or, like, I guess what we talked about, how Even Flow was the only one you had heard. Uh I didn't really realize how many Pearl Jam songs that I had heard or, like, new before listening to this but it's also because i used to listen to classic rock radio all the time yeah and every time you songs would, all the time every time we would get in laney's car in the morning when laney would take me to school my freshman year they would all it would always be these old dudes john like boy telling these horrible jokes it's john boy and billy 103.5 it was the worst WMZ, baby let's go anyway um <laughs> don't know where i was after that but i gotta finish Oh, okay. So, for this song, the band refused to make this into a single, despite the fact that their label and, like, managers and stuff wanted them to. They felt that it was too personal, and the feeling of it would be lost by a video or a single release. 
Vetter stated that fragile songs get crushed by the business. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't think the band wants to be a part of it. Vetter personally called radio station managers to make sure Epic, which was their record label at the time, had not released the song as a single against his wishes. In spite of this, the song charted at number three on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Tracks and number 20 on the Billboard Modern Rock Tracks in 1993. Uh, This song is about first relationships, and Vedder has said that the song is about letting go. It's very rare for Uh, a relationship. uh, 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 Thank you. It's very (laughs) rare for a relationship to withstand the Earth's gravitational pull and where it's going to take people and how they're going to grow. I've heard it said that you can't really have a true love unless it was a true unrequited, uh, unless it was a love unrequited. It's a harsh one because then your truest one is the one you can't have forever. So he was really deep with that. But lastly, my notes just say, Tasteful piano inclusion combined with the work of Stone was brilliant, a very raw sounding song. This next song is called Jeremy. Uh, Okay, bass guitar. Uh, the casualness that Eddie Vedder drops the F-bomb is is really funny to me. But it's almost like it's purposeful to yes. like, grab your attention or something. Yes, like but he's not using it as like a... It's not the main point of the statement. It's just like he's he, just... No, he called someone a little... F-bomb. At one point. Yes. Or something along the lines of that. Uh, which is like... I don't know. It, it's it's very interesting because especially nowadays it's not as big of a deal when you like swear in a song. But the farther we go back, it's interesting. The see. the more like oh my gosh he said that. But this is like alt rock grunge kind of stuff. Which back then, sense. like in that genre, they didn't really care because it was all about like the right. counterculture and blah blah blah. And... Also, people use that word ending with ing as like adverbs and adjectives and stuff. Think uh-huh. about that. Isn't that weird? That is really weird. Anyway. <laughs> that, I was going to say something, but I can't. Um, <laughs> okay. This song, this song thumped. I just said this thong. This song thumped, but definitely oh, has oh. some dark undertones to it. Uh, yeah. They also really like these long outros with the lo- non-lexical vocables, which is basically just being like... Like, not saying actual words, which but just, like... Which is Eddie Vedder's staple. Which, like, is just, like, humming, or if you were, like, la, 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 la. That's a, a non-lexical vocable. Uh, they really like doing those... Is obladee da Are those considered words? I would say <laughs> that's more scat. Interesting. But maybe. Um... Anything. But he, they really like these over the guitar, and honestly, I don't hate it. No, normally I would kind of dislike these like big old long outros and stuff. I don't know; it just fits them well. This one, um, it didn't have a star next to it, but this is—I mean, I've heard this song probably more than most Pearl Jam songs, if we're being honest. So it's another one that gets overplayed. Anyway. This song is, this, okay, the explanation for this is very long, so bear with me. Because it has quotes from Eddie Vedder. It is based on two different true stories. Uh, Trigger warning about suicide and death and stuff like that. The song takes its main inspiration from a newspaper article about a 16-year-old boy named Jeremy Wade Dell from Richardson, Texas, 
who killed himself in front of his English classmates at Richardson High School on Tuesday morning of January 8th, 1991, at about 9.45 in the morning. Damn. Imagine starting your day with that. I hope those kids got to go home. Yeah. Like, that's like, that's like life-changing. But, but also that... think about it. 1991, January 8th. Uh-huh. How many years has that been? 20? 30? Oh my gosh, it's been yeah. 31 years this past... That's crazy. Um, also, the 90s were that far away. That's so weird to me. The, the 90s? We are to the 90s as the 90s was to the 60s. That's disgusting. Uh-huh. Uh, moving forward. In a 2009 interview, Vetter said that he felt, quote, the need to take that small article and make something of it, to give that action, to give it reaction, to give it more importance. When asked about the song, Vetter explained... It came from a small paragraph in a paper, which means you kill yourself and you make a big old sacrifice and try to get your revenge. That all you're going to end up with is a paragraph in a newspaper. 63 degrees and cloudy in a suburban neighborhood. That's the beginning of the video, and that's the same thing. Is that in the end? I don't know the mixes. It does nothing. Nothing changes. The world goes on and you're gone. The best revenge is to live on and prove yourself. Be stronger than those people. And then you can come back. Uh, the other story that the song is based on involved a student that Vetter knew from his junior high uh, high school in San Diego, California. He elaborated further in a 1991 interview saying, I actually knew somebody in junior high school that did the same thing just about. Didn't take his life, but ended up shooting up an oceanography room. I remember being in the halls and hearing it, and I had actually had altercations with this kid in the past. I was kind of a rebellious fifth grader, and I think we got in fights and stuff, which, I, reading this now, looking back on the lyrics, it very blatantly mm -hmm. tells the story. Um, so it's a bit about this kid named Jeremy, and it's also a bit about this kid named Brian that I knew and don't know. Uh, the song, I think it says a lot. I think it goes somewhere, and a lot of people interpret it in different ways, and it's just been recently that I've been talking about the true meaning behind it and I hope no one's offended and believe me I think of Jeremy when I sing it moving into my notes Pearl Jam really likes to break down songs with a lengthy instrumental part which is in just about every single song I think if it's not a breakdown or um like an I guess interrupting piece it's the intro and then like Nate said the non-lexical vocables um it, this song specifically begins and ends with hollowed-out notes from the guitar. Next. <laughs> Go tell someone you love that you love them. That's my piece of advice for today. So this next song is called Oceans. Uh, he sounds like he's singing through one of those tubes that's like... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um, there aren't many lyrics to this song. Nothing necessarily special to me. Um, this song almost feels more like an interlude or a little bridge rather than a full song because it's not that hard. It's a, uh, oh, I'm about to burp. Uh, it's a shorter song. Um, it just doesn't feel like their other work to me and it's not exactly up to snuff in my opinion. No offense if you love this song. This one just wasn't my favorite. That sound effect. <laughs> what the? Uh, <laughs> 
but everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about I know, when I make I that noise. I used to love those. Things. Oh yeah, those, I still love those things. Honestly, I need to go find one, but I don't know how to find it. I can't look up on the internet tube that goes. <laughs> I used to always play with those. I love those. Like go to the dollar store or something. And then your mom immediately whips her head around and is like, put that back. Oh, yeah. Parents hate those things. Oh, yeah. Oh. Sorry, I'm tired. (laughs) Anyway. You said this wasn't up to par. It's probably because it didn't have as deep of a meaning. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the song is inspired by Vedder's affinity for surfing. Following Pearl Jam's performance of the song at the band's 1992 MTV Unplugged performance, Vedder stated, That was a little <laughs> a little love song I wrote about my surfboard. And then he like paused and was like, No, actually, it's about somebody named Beth who hopefully I'll see tomorrow. Whatever. Like Nate already mentioned, it sounds like he's talking into a tube. Like on GarageBand, I think there's a thing called tube vocalization. I don't know. But his voice kind of travels from ear to ear, and it kind of is like waves of an ocean in their movement. So, very clever, Eddie Vedder. Next. Very clever, Eddie Vedder. <laughs> this next song is called Porch. This feels so Nirvana to me. The guitars and the drums just <laughs> feel so like them, and especially in the chorus and at the beginning of the song. This song is a banger, though. Um... This is definitely something, and mom, I don't do this, but this is definitely something you speed down the highway to. Uh, <laughs> mom, I don't do also, this. the yaz at the end of the song, like, I, I'm not going to recreate it because I'm not Eddie Vedder. You'll just have to go listen to the song and go to the very end and go to the outro. Really remind me of like a mixture of Creed and The Offspring. And I don't say Creed as an insult. If you've watched the Creed podcast, <laughs> you know <laughs> you know that Creed is at the like bottom of our list. That album sucked. Creed was cheeks. Creed was horrible, dude. Creed might be worse than freaking Nickelback. Uh, like they might be lower than Nickelback, bro. Because at least with Nickelback, I was laughing. <laughs> yeah, at least with Nickelback, I was having a good time. <laughs> yes, I was like having it. It was so bad that I was having a good time with Creed. It was so bad that I was like. Oh my god, I would rather it's like it all, my nuts. It all sounded <laughs> it all sounded like one song. Uh-huh. So that was that problem. Yeah, that's all I got to say about it that. It had though. that land sin- well no, there was actually substance with that one, but it was There was a little substance, but it, uh, the way it tackled, presented its substance was exactly, like Exactly, because it tackled subjects kind of like this. Uh-huh. That's how a lot of bands were back then. Not with like the the sound, but I mean like they a lot of bands did not stray away from tackling some very, like, sensitive topics. And people just don't really do that as much anymore. People had depth. People, like... I don't, We talked about this earlier, about how there's just no bands that are really, like, don't care. They say and do whatever. Like, Green Day used to be like that. People, like... You know, people like that used to be like that. Used to, they used to be raw and real and not care. Mm-hmm. Now everything's so toned down and dialed back. It's kind of ridiculous. And then you can also get into the subject of how there's no real rock bands anymore. Yeah. The youngest I can think of would be Greta Van Fleet. And that's about it. Um, and by, when Lainey said that, we don't mean that Green Day is super deep. We mean that Green Day literally told their fans to spit on the camera people. Like, I, 
That's that's what she meant by like Green Day not caring. And but Billy also, Joe Armstrong like, literally jumped off the stage and drop kicked somebody in the face. Yeah, but they were like sexually harassing a woman in the crowd, so it was validated. Yeah, um, but, but like what people are, just need what to stop caring. Artists would do that nowadays, though. Nobody. They would just stop a concert and be like, "Hey, get this guy out." He literally went down there and kicked him in the face. <laughs> Dude, that's what needs to happen. But people need to just stop caring like that, and people also just need to stop caring and start singing about what they want to sing and also. Getting back, before I get into this, the substance, going back to that first part, I will say Billie Eilish on her, like, debut album, later, yeah. she does have a song about, like, jumping off a building. Uh-huh. So, Billie Eilish does kind of, like, in my opinion, dip her toes into kind of getting into some more serious topics, but she could definitely, like, delve into it more. And she's a young artist. There, She has a lot of maturing to do and she's going to grow as an artist. I mean, That's just how like, it's going to be. She's your age, isn't yes, she? Yes, she's like really... I think she's like a year older than me. Oh, okay. But like, you know, she's going to have growing to do and maybe when she's like 25 or something, she's just going to have some super in-depth album and that's how it's going to be. But, you know. That's fair. Now getting into Porch. Eddie Vedder wrote the lyrics when traveling from San Diego, where he lived, to Seattle, where he was meeting the other band members for the first time in November of 1990. The song is deliberately vague to leave it open to interpretation. However, it does seem to center on a romantic breakup. During live performances, Eddie Vedder uses the long instrumental break to hang off of railings, jump into the crowd, or to climb the set, as he famously did at Lollapalooza 92. Nirvana grunge, 100% like Nate said, was present during the chorus when the guitars kick in. A uh, long instrumental with a common guitar solo is when, you know, Vetter does his thing. That probably leaves the crowd swaying or holding lighters or maybe just, like, doing a nice hair whip, you know, like, I whip my hair back and forth. Next song. <laughs> uh, this next song is called Garden. Uh, first off, rest in peace, Chris Cornell, but it sucks that this song is about Chris Cornell because I didn't I didn't like actually, this one unfortunately. I, I misspoke. It's not actually about Chris. It's not about but Chris. He's like involved in the story, kind of. Yeah. Okay. I'll explain. Well, still, rest in peace, Chris Cornell. Yeah. Speaking of Gordon, Sound Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. It's unfortunate because I didn't really like this song. Uh, only in the '90s is. I walk with my face blood, a valid lyric to be said. Okay, that's so Only good. in the 90s is that a valid lyric. We get, it, we get his point. He was just trying yes. to match the flow of the song. I walk with my face blood. <laughs> like, imagine, said, like, Young walk, Thug saying that. He said something like, I walk with my hands tied. I walk with my face blood. Like, stuff like that. Like, like, I got it, but it's still like, come on, bro. But I walk this one, IMO, it's a stinker. IMO means, in my opinion, for those of you that do not know. Uh, 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 I thought you were going to... That was a fat one, bro. Um, there's not a lot of lyrical variety. And sadly, the uh, instrumentation didn't capture me like the last ones. It was just kind of boring. Like, like this one was just a little bit bland to me. Um, luckily, though, there's... There are not many songs on this album that are just bland. I, I got scared that these last few songs were going to be bland because that's kind of how it is sometimes. Like it'll be decent songs, decent songs, and then the last few songs are just kind of stinkers. Uh, but they didn't do but that. But this on is this, album. this is episode forty six. 
And as you we know, move up higher... It gets better. Yes. So, like, yeah, it can be reminiscent of Creed, same genre and stuff. Oh, another band that's grunge, the Cranberries. Oh, yeah. We were talking earlier, and uh, we were driving to to the pilot to go get some drinks and stuff. And hey, we were driving over to the pilot down there. Yeah, I did kind of say that with a twang. No, but, like, who goes to the pilot other than Southerners? Yeah, fair. <laughs> but we were, we were driving to the pilot, and... Um, we were going to go get drinks, and I was like, man, the only grunge bands I can think of right now are Pearl Jam and Nirvana, and slowly we've just been like, oh, yeah, Soundgarden, oh, yeah, the Cranberries, and stuff like that, so. What was the other one that I said? Um, um, Creed. Yeah, Creed, duh. I, I literally forgot about them, and we were literally talking about them, at le- like, at most two minutes ago. I try to block that out of my brain. Anyway, yeah. That was they, horrible. But they have similar sounds to Creed, but it's like 40, no, what, we're in the 50s, where are we at? We're in the 50s on the list. Uh, 56, 57? No, we're not on the 50s. If it's, if it's 92, and this is episode 46. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. 92, 52. We're on like 47, 47, 46. Oh, wow, we're a lot closer than I thought it to being done. But also so far away. Anyway. Um, what, do you not like hanging out with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I just get really self-conscious. <laughs> you start crying. <laughs> anyway, but like, Creep is at the very bottom of the list for a reason compared to this album. Yeah. I mean, this is their debut album, and they have at least half of them that are like, on their... They would be on an Essentials playlist for Pearl Jam. Like, yeah. There's a big this difference. This is Pearl Jam. <laughs> okay, Spotify. Um, but I also didn't write anything in my own opinion for this song. I just wrote what Genius Lyrics said. So that should maybe tell you something. But This song came out when Eddie Vedder was hanging out with Chris Cornell and his bandmate Stone, who is the guitar player for Pearl Jam, in a pool hall when President H.W., Bush, um, came, his first name's George, by the way, I don't know how to say <laughs> uh, came on television to talk about the U.S. invasion of Kuwait. It's more of a, why are we doing this, and why were we going off, Vedder said, of his reaction. Mm-hmm. It could be interpreted as greed, because some people interpret as going off to fight for their country. I will walk with my hands bound. What is that noise? Is that true? I think, the, I think the heat kicked on. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I walk with my hands bound. But the thing is, it was walking away from it. I won't be taken, yet I'll go. And he also references a garden of stone, which is a cemetery. This next song is called Deep. Uh, there's a very Steven Tyler scream at the beginning. Um, this one's about heroin. Just throwing that one out there. This song is a banger. It's tough. Favorite song on the album right here. Oh, 100%. The chorus, it slaps. I mean, the way he screams deep, it's just like, man, you feel this person's struggle with, like, with addiction. Like, you can feel what they're feeling inside. Obviously not to the same extent, but, like, I get what he's trying to put across. And this song, 
and just this band in general is very good at evoking that emotion of what they're what they're trying to write is going to be evoked through the music and i really appreciate that um and i can also just really appreciate uh a song that tackles a tough topic like this i know i kind of touched on just like the the broadness of of touching on difficult subjects but especially addiction a lot of people just that's a big no-no for a lot of people people just really try not to talk about that because it's such a downer taboo yes it's very it's a very taboo thing um especially people that are like in Hollywood or in the celebrity yeah, scope. Yeah, because it's a lot more common than you think it a is. Because a lot of people will have addiction, and it's like, if you talk about addiction, you're talking about some of your some of your mates, like some of your closest people. Um, and so I can, I can really appreciate when somebody talks about that, because it is a subject that, even if you do think it's talked about a lot, Sorry. it's not talked about enough. Right, right, no, sorry, my mind, I just can't function properly. <laughs> I just started Oh, I'll thinking. cut this out, what? I just started thinking. <laughs> For some reason, I was thinking about getting a phone call. <laughs> it's not even funny, bro. I don't know why I'm laughing. So we got to lose my mind anyway. And I'm just like, hello, <laughs> I just like ripped ass. That was the end of the story. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, and we're Bro, back. Sorry. I haven't laughed that hard since I made fun of that scoliosis. <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't keep that in because it's so dumb. It's so dumb. I promise it's not about addiction. It was just stupid. I told you. So, your opinion on this song, Lainey? Okay. So, it's about drug addiction, like Nate already said, specifically. Um, yeah. But... Some comments, because I looked up on the song meaning website, some comments speculate that it could be to distract whoever's doing the drugs from the struggle within of homosexuality. Huh. I, I didn't think about it that way. I'll have to re-listen to it. I'm yeah, I didn't. Like I kind of read it and I was like, oh, that actually kind of makes sense. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, other than that, this song just goes hard, point blank, period. Next. This next song is called Release. This is the final song. Yeah. Uh, I really had to poop at this point, so my notes might not be great. Uh, when he sings deep, he kind of sounds like a didgeridoo or possibly even a cow. Um, there's one little bass thump. <laughs> the didgeridoo is spot on. Around <laughs> minute three. That's just so random, and it's definitely a like a screw up, but they just kind of like left it in. Yeah. And it had us dying. It was so funny. So go look at the song, go to like minute three <laughs> and listen. You'll hear it. Um, this song was, it looked like it was mad long, and I really had to poop. And that's all I had to say, because, like, I legitimately had to poop so bad that I couldn't think. I was farting for half of the song. (laughs) 
If you didn't know, Nate had to had to poop. I I legitimately think I have IBS, just an undiagnosed IBS. <laughs> Do you need to go to the doctor? Landon has IBS. Landon, like every shout morning. Out Landon. <laughs> hey, shout out to my boy Landon. He wouldn't care if I put this on the podcast. Does he listen? Uh, no. <laughs> um, honestly, he might though, because he likes music like this. Um, fake fan for fake friend for not listening. Um, but he, like every morning in high school, I would walk in, and without a shadow of a doubt, I, I would go in the same bathroom in the oh, lobby wow. outside of the gym. He would always be taking a violent poop in the morning. He was like, I got a sausage McGriddle. That's and the a, best one to go to. And a rock star. That's the best one to go to because not a lot of people go to that. Oh, yeah. Sausage McGriddle and a rock star. That's why. Yeah. That's why. Also, was he the one that doo-dooed down his pants? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a total different story for a total different podcast. That'll maybe be the maybe nine behind the scenes. yeah maybe one day I'll tell that story on here I don't know as a diamond mine late hours or something we'll formulate okay so release um this is a long one bear with me please the lyrics weren't entirely improvised the first time they played it it was also recorded quite cheaply over some old Kipper Jones cassettes that Vetter had hauled down to the rehearsal space in a box for the sessions factually. This is what Genius Lyrics said, by the way. This song is about Eddie Vedder dealing with the reality that his father is actually his stepfather in real life. Mm-hmm. And he never knew his real father. Uh, Vedder has respected the spiritual nature of the song's inception and, to this day, refuses to commit the lyrics to paper. Now, the song Master Forward Slash Slave is the hidden oh yeah I didn't comment on that oh yeah is the hidden track well you put in quotes like yes song. Uh, is the hidden track at the end a oh and a small part of this song of the hidden track also appeared in the beginning of the album just mm-hmm. before the opening chords of once which I'll have to go back and listen to it to pay attention to but um Jeff the bassist said on bass player magazine in 1994 that his bass line was quote my tribute to uh, Mick Korn, which is a fretless bass instrumentalist. It is a, the song, um, the first one, which is, uh, what's it called, what's it called? Release. Is a sentimental ending to an overall rocking grunge album. Yeah. Now, Master Slave, it, it's basically just an instrumental, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, the instrumental portion itself reminds me of In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Go check out that episode if you haven't watched our Phil Collins episode. And Eddie's Even though that song isn't on that album. I know, but Phil Collins. Yeah. He's a homie. Um, but Eddie's vocals, or what did you say it was called? The um, non-lexical vocables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has some of those here as well. And it reminds me of a song called The Wolf that he sings on the soundtrack for Into the Wild. Which is actually the first time I really appreciated Eddie Vedder because I wasn't a big Pearl Jam fan based mm-hmm. off the overplayed songs from this album. After listening to it, I really I thoroughly enjoy Pearl Jam. Uh, but it could also remind you of any other Pearl Jam song or anything else that Eddie has sang um, because he does that a lot in almost every single song. And he's also done some ukulele work and he's coming out with a new album in February. Now. 1 through 9 2, Lainey. How you feeling? <sighs> okay. We're saying 46, 47 right now. 46, 47, 48. It's in the low 40s right now. Okay. 
Not as high as Henry just Billy Joel, obviously. Mm-hmm. Where's Kenny at? Fifty. Shoot, it's somewhere in there. Yeah, Kenny's at fifty. Garth Brooks is at fifty-one for sevens. Um, I'd put it higher than that. Mm-hmm. And it already is. I would bump it up slightly. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe like. 45, 44, somewhere still in the 40s, but higher up in the 40s. Or maybe if just the rest of the albums are super duper good, which there are definitely some albums in the future that I'm not going to like. Then maybe it could bump up to the 30s. Maybe, yeah, something like that. Or maybe if I just unexpectedly like all of them, it stays at the exact same spot. Or it could move down. It, it's up Who it's knows? Near. <laughs> it's, it's close, though. It's This spot yeah. that it's in is pretty close. I, I agree. Billboard actually did that one pretty well, in our opinions. Anyways, uh, do you have anything to say before we start to wrap this thing up? Oh my gosh, you didn't say our social media in the beginning. We'll edit it in right that. now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey guys, this is us from the uh, ending of the podcast, um, and this is also going to go at the end of the podcast, so if you've already seen this part, actually you have, if you are at the ending, you've seen this in the beginning and the ending, which is kind of weird. Um, the social medias, the Twitter, TDM Pods, TDM POD, the Instagram, the Diamond Mind Podcast, the YouTube for our face and all sorts of stuff like that, the Diamond Mind, if you look up the Diamond Mind Podcast, we should be the first thing that pops up up um tiktok diamond Mind podcast follow us rate us do all the things like that because that would make you a very cool person and it would spread us around and i would really appreciate it um now we're back to the ending now we're back to the ending so yes. here we are again uh this has been the diamond Mind podcast with nate and lady we'll be back at you next week with shania twain